could uh, turn to your passage in your bulletin. We're looking at Luke chapter 6 this morning. It's right after the pastoral prayer that Luke just read. <clears throat> I would love to uh, just read it right away and start. But, but, just need to explain something really quick before we get going. Okay, so, you just need to know, early on in his ministry, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. There, there were lots of people curious about following him at the beginning. And our text today is only in Luke 6, as you'll see. It's early on. So there's plenty of people at this point who are listening to his teaching and, and following him around. So, that being said, right before our text starts, the verse right before it, he's actually with the famous 12 disciples. But, but... Right as the text starts, right as it begins, he brings them over to be with these other additional disciples. So this is what you're going to see. And they're all immediately brought together, the twelve and another great crowd of disciples. And the whole story begins. So, I'm going to read it now, read it through from beginning to end, and we'll get going. So remember, he's with the twelve right before we start in chapter 6. Let's read it. And he came down with them, twelve disciples, and stood on a level place, with, with, a great crowd of his disciples, and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him. For power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Let's pray. Father, be, uh, be with us as we go this morning. We thank you for another day. We thank you for bringing us all together to worship your son. So we just ask you now for these few minutes that we're here to open up your word, that you open up our our hearts, and our spiritual eyes to see what you have us to see here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, Jesus is uh, bringing together lots of his disciples today. And while he teaches them at the end, the big, long teaching we just read, he initially brings them together where there's this, this other gathering of people that wants to be healed right in front of them. 
This will be a, a great thing for the disciples to see. I don't need to say much more. It'll just kind of explain itself. So it begins in verse 17. And he came down with them. Remember, that's the 12 disciples from earlier in the chapter. And he stood on a level place along with a great crowd of his disciples. So there they all are, 12 and more, standing. And right away, right in front of them, there's this big group of people who gathered, who apparently knew Jesus was there, and they need help. So there was a, see the middle of 17, there was a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. That's why they're there. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. So Luke sums it all up for us in this last verse 19. And all of this crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from Jesus and healed them all. So all these people, right in front of the disciples, right away, came to get help from Jesus. It was, it was miraculously happening. Some of them had diseases, like we read. They were sick, right? Now, it's the first century, you know that. There weren't any modern hospitals. There was no Dr. Rett walking around to help you out, right? There weren't antibiotics like we have now. So if you're them, if you're this crowd in front of the disciples, this is kind of their, their only chance, right? Pretend your kids are sick. What are you going to do? Some of the crowd had unclean spirits. That's demonic oppression. They needed to be cured. So this was a, a fun bunch, I'm sure, to be around. The blacks, right? So there are people with diseases and unclean spirits all in the crowd. And it kind of, kind of built up into a little scene, right? Remember verse 19, right in the beginning. All the crowd sought to touch him. So, so it, wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a single file line, right? It wasn't organized. It wasn't, okay, would you like to be healed by Mr. Jesus? Please stand here. Next person, take your ticket. You're number four. Okay, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. So you'd be seeing people with leprosy, right? They'd push through the crowd and try to touch, touch Jesus, and they'd touch him, and their skin would be healed. So 19 finishes. So power came out from Jesus as they're all pressing in and healed them all. Now, remember, remember, as this happened to the crowd, the disciples are there watching. They would see, they would see the desperation, maybe, the, the singular focus of the crowd. The disciples are seeing a real-life object lesson. The crowd is pressing in to get to Jesus because he's their only hope. They had nowhere else to go. Where are they going to go? Diseases, demons, unclean spirits haunting them. Jesus, the God-man, is all they got. And it's from that picture of the crowd the disciples are seeing, that idea 
that he's going to immediately teach them. Because they're going to need a similar attitude. They're going to need a similar attitude in their hearts. Now, the disciples that are seeing this, they don't need to be cured of any diseases, but they would have to see their spiritual need. They would have to seek Jesus for their salvation. And to do that, they need a posture similar to the crowd. They need a, he's my only hope, attitude. We need that. So Jesus turns to the disciples right away. There's no transition. He turns to the disciples and starts teaching them what a blessed, wise disciple needs to be like. So verse 20, verse 20, as the crowd who sought Jesus only to be healed, this is what Jesus does, verse 20, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Poor means humble, poor in spirit, we know that, right? Blessed are you, disciples, if you're like that. The poor in spirit get the kingdom. It's not for everybody. It's not for the mighty or the self-sufficient. It, it's it's kind of like the crowd with their diseases. They didn't think they were strong, did they? They weren't self-sufficient. They were a physical picture of a spiritual lesson. So the poor in spirit here, Jesus is trying to open this teaching up to the disciples. They're going to realize they have nothing to offer God. They can't buy or earn their salvation. So the wise disciple, the blessed disciple, needs to see himself as spiritually broke. They'll need the cross and the resurrection for them, right? As the story would unfold. Can't earn that. No, no way to buy that. So for the poor in spirit, as Jesus is starting here, among these disciples who would seek and believe in Jesus, the kingdom would be theirs. But he keeps going. Keeps adding to the word pictures here for these followers that are curious about him. And he starts verse 21. And blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. The spiritually hungry feel like they need something. You ever been hungry? Almost like you were a beggar on the side of the road. This is just like being poor in spirit. You're in need. You're in need. And Jesus is the only one who can help you. And in your need and being hungry, as he's telling them, you will be satisfied. See how it ends? You will be satisfied. Here and now in Jesus, now and forever in eternity. Poor in spirit get the kingdom now and forever. So Jesus is going to keep burrowing in into their hearts and add a third one. It gets worse now. It's worse. It gets very personal. <laughs> so he says to them now in the last part of 21, Blessed are you disciples if you weep now, for you shall laugh. Weep over what? Right? Poor and hungry, they're kind of easy. That's easier. But weep. Weeping in the Bible, just as a category, 
can have to do with having sorrow over your own condition. You weep when you reflect on your sin. And there are examples of this. So Israel in the Old Testament, they rebelled against God. And as they did this, at some points throughout the Old Testament, they would look back and weep over it. You see this in the Psalms. So Jesus is now saying here, as he keeps burrowing in, like I said, the wise disciple, look what he says, blessed are you who weep now. He sees his brokenness and sin now, before it's too late. They realize their need for God's mercy. And as the verse finishes, verse 21 finishes, you shall laugh, laugh, laugh with joy in all you have in Jesus, now and forever. So, so, we'll pause for the fire truck, and just pause in your mind to just see this kind of person, right? We rush a lot of times, we read the Bible, we're rushing. Look at these things Jesus says you're blessed if you're like. Just basic stuff. Spiritually poor, hungry, Weeping over your sin. It's just a picture of neediness. Neediness. We need to have this attitude. This is the foundation for believing in Jesus, for seeking him out. It starts here. He's starting his ministry with these guys with these basic ideas. This is the building block of coming to him for forgiveness. So, so, so far, right, this is what the whole chapter's been about. Need. The crowd needed him to be physically healed. And the disciples, and we, of course, need to see ourselves as spiritually bankrupt. We need to seek salvation from him. But now, but now, in the text, to end this blessed type of person Jesus is talking about to all these disciples, he's going to take it up a notch. So, so far it was kind of nice, right? Wasn't that... Wasn't that hard? It was basic. Jesus is about to kick it up one notch for the last time he says, blessed are you if you're a certain way. Because, here's what he's going to do. It seems like in his mind, maybe not in ours, but disciples that do think they're poor in spirit, they're hungry and they follow him, those kind of disciples then also do and say things in his name. It's a, direct, it's a direct connection. You need him. You realize other people need him. You'll open your mouth at some point and do something about it. So believing and doing that in Jesus' mind aren't that far apart. As we're about to see. So look what he says. This is how he finishes everything he's been saying. 622. And blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil disciples, on account of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Jesus. That's a, that's a title for him from the Old Testament. He's talking about himself. Blessed are you when people hate you or exclude you on account of me. Whatever you do or say about me, people are obviously going to know you're rolling with me to hate you. 
They're not going to assume that. They're going to know because of what you're doing or talking about. So here's, it. here's an example, right, for all of us. You're at work, or you're at school, and you somehow, however you want to, bring Jesus up. Uh-oh, right? Uh-oh. Doesn't always go well. Doesn't always go well. Can be awkward. Or you, you talk about it with your friends in any meaningful way, and you get excluded, and you don't get invited to the 4th of July party. Right? Don't be sad. Don't be sad. Look, what, look how he finishes. 23. He's still talking. Rejoice when that happens. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. There's joy for you there to look to. When you suffer for Jesus in any little way here, any little way. Now, the disciples he's talking to here, some of them, some of them, not all of them, but some of them joyfully suffered for Jesus in huge ways. We've got it easy. Some of them suffered in huge ways for talking about him as an example. So when you look into the book of Acts, you see some of the same guys standing here. And in Acts 5, some of these same people were beaten. They were beaten for preaching about Jesus. They were beaten by the authorities, told to be quiet, and sent home. And as they left, getting in trouble, this is what it says. Just one little line about these guys years later in Acts 5.41. Those disciples rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for Jesus' name. They rejoiced. They, they tried as hard as they could. They, they put their foot on the gas, and sometimes they were not liked for it. They were hated. So I know, as Jesus gets to this last blessed are you thing here in 22 and 23... Us Americans do not like it. Like, this makes us itch, right? Hearing about this? Not fun. We think, like, people, people might not like me? They might not like me for talking about Jesus or doing something in his name. They might exclude me, right? Being excluded for us, let's be honest about our culture. You, you might as well die if you get excluded for something. It's terrifying. So, so look, Jesus is not saying, and we're not saying, go try to get in trouble and find people to hate you. That's not what we're saying. But the context here is this, as we see what happens in the New Testament with these disciples. For us, there is a sense, sometime, somewhere, someday, in your own personality, however you want to, nobody's telling you to do anything, but you just think of the way you want to do it, where you have to go to people in your life, just like these disciples did were standing there, some of them at least, and you have to gently say to whoever you see fit, I need to talk to you about Jesus. So you tell me when, we'll do it whenever you want, but it's happening. It could be tomorrow, it could be in a month, because I love you. I'm not going to hide him from you. That's what we'd see the disciples doing after Jesus teaches this. 
Remember what he said as he started verse 23, and then we'll move on. Look what he says in the first part. Rejoice in that day. Rejoice. Because your reward, if something goes sideways, and your joy and Jesus are for you here and waiting for you forever. So just be encouraged, right? And once in a while, once in a while, go for it. Go for it. Find someone to tell them about him and the forgiveness of God that he offers. Now, for the disciples standing here who have been listening, who have not liked anything he said so far, right? That this just isn't their thing for some of them. Like, poor in spirit, no. I don't want to be that way. Hungry in spirit, no. I don't want to be that way. And then I might get hated? Absolutely not. I'm out. Right? For, for those uninterested disciples that are still standing around, they need to be careful. Because Jesus now ends with a warning. It doesn't end on a high note. I, I'm not going to make it end on a high note when it doesn't. Right? Jesus wants to make clear now there really isn't any neutral with him. There's really not a lot of neutral. There are two paths. Believe in him and follow him, although imperfectly, or not. Be poor and hungry in spirit and see your need for him and maybe tell people about him, or not. So to end, to end, this is what, this is what he's going to do very quickly. He's going to take everything he just said about what it means to be blessed, and he's going to reverse it. He's going to just turn it upside down. There, there's an opposite of one who's poor in spirit and will have the kingdom. There's the opposite. So Jesus makes sure they understand what type of persons some of these disciples might be. So here's how he closes. Verse 24. But, he says, but... Woe to you, disciples here listening, who are rich in spirit, for you have received your consolation. You think you've got all you need, huh? Not poor in spirit and humble, but rich and prideful. No kingdom for you. He goes on, 25. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. You'll end up with nothing. And woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. So laugh with joy while you're rich and full and don't need me at all. You will mourn and weep forever. So obviously, as he's getting to verse 26, because they don't see a need for him, they won't be out representing him or trying to lead others to him, right? They won't ever say a word about him. So this type of disciples, the opposite of the one that's hated sometimes. So here's the last warning. Look what he says, verse 26. And woe to you when all people speak well of you. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did that to the false prophets. So to the disciples, he says, as he closes, 
Be careful if this is you. Rich and prideful, full, no hunger. No need for me. That there's no joy-filled life here, and there's not one waiting for you on the other side without me. And this is how our text ends. Some of the disciples standing here. It's, it's sobering because some of them hear this and stay this way forever. You want to hear something wild? Wild. Judas is standing here. Judas is standing here. He's named explicitly in the verse right before our text started. He came down and he was here the whole scene. The whole time. He was one of the initial 12 disciples. So this is, this is serious stuff. Because we know how it ended for him. So for us, what should we do? We should thank God. This is all I can think of. We should thank God for opening our eyes to see. To see. To not be like this. To not end up like Judas out of anybody. Thank him for giving us eyes to see that we are poor and hungry and need a savior. And, and the little spark that we all have. Right? Where we know we want to tell people about our Savior. So as we go out into the world, right, as those blessed disciples, let's close now and ask Him to help us. Have some courage, right? Eyes to see others that need to know our Savior along with us. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. Thank you for helping us see our need for him. Thank you for helping us to see our need for the cross, as Luke unfolds that over his book, and the forgiveness of sins that we all need. We just ask you now, as we go out into the world, and we try to follow you the best we can, King Jesus. Give us a little bit of strength and just enough courage to want to talk to someone about you. So help us have a great rest of the week and be encouraged as we go and find some people to share the good news with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.